The most pleasant exhaustion podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm based in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax, and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation security. Book a call or drop them a line on their website, highechelloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. MPE Coaching is the coaching arm of the podcast. If you like what you hear here and you need help preparing for a big goal, reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com or mpecoach at gmail.com. Trail races, marathons, triathlons, multi-day relays, we have helped people get ready for all of these things. Our approach is rooted in proven exercise physiology, but we also bring our own experience as coaches and athletes to bear. We specialize in helping adults with busy schedules find ways to build fitness and accomplish their goals. Whether you're looking to complete your first multi-sport race, qualify for Boston or Kona, set a new marathon PR, or simply become a healthier, happier athlete, we can help. Click on the coaching link on the podcast website, www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude State-of-the-Art Indoor Training Center, they are capable of simulating elevation of up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals, from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons, train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. And Michelle trained there extensively for the Silver Rush 50 in 2023, her first ever 50 mile race that spent a lot of time over 10,000 feet. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing, such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing, which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuels you are burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info@elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or to set up an appointment. Their website is elementalaltitude.com. And finally, our new sponsor for 2024 is Bright Hair. Bright Hair is a creative design studio offering branding, graphic design, marketing, and website design and support. They designed our Most Pleasant Exhaustion logo and they're helping to build our website right now. The folks at Bright Hair are patient and thorough and they listen to your feedback. Their expertise has been critical to our getting our branded merchandise shop off the ground in early 2024. Be sure to reach out to them with any graphic design or marketing needs that you have. 
You can find them at brighthair.com. That's bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, hair, H-A-R-E.com, or on Instagram at bright, period, hair. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the most pleasant exhaustion podcast possible. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by MPE Coaching, High Echelon PC, Blue Pineapple Travel, Elemental Altitude Training Center, and Bright Hair. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys. I'm a college professor, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls and a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina, the father to three baby adults, an engineer, and a husband to an amazing and beautiful wife, Melissa. (laughs) My first thought is, what did Eric do wrong? I know. What happened this weekend, Eric? (laughs) First off, I said amazing. (laughs) Amazing. And that that beauty is inside and out. And George, you know Oh, jeez. (laughs) she actually had a really like um from a running perspective a really disappointing i'd say three weeks signed up for a 10-hour race really cool in the charlotte area that was run gonna be run the botanical gardens well three weeks ago rain came through washed out the trail you know running in the botanical gardens with washed oh, out trails so this is a bad idea so they rescheduled it two weeks later, and then we just got more rain while they were trying to repair the trail, projected rain on the day of the race, and they just canceled it outright. Ugh. So uh, just kind of like, and when you're in that cycle of trying to prepare for a race and then taper to a, especially like a 10 hour race, mm-hmm. and then two days before the race, you're told, eh, no race, mm-hmm. like, and then you've got to reset, okay, how do I do this? And then it happens again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a huge, huge mess. And it was like, oh, you can go do a virtual on your own. Yeah, I'm going to go do a 10-hour virtual race. Yeah, right. I, I was going to say, because I, I have a friend who lives in, in South Carolina, and he had been planning to run a race as well, but he was complaining that it went to virtual. Um, and so, yeah, it sounds like it was the same race. And, it's, yeah. and then you can't, uh, you can virtual a 10-hour. Like, I, I went out and ran 50 miles on my own once. Mm-hmm. You know, I just ran away from the car and back away from the car and back and used that as my base. So you can do it. I just like, that's not fun. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you, you actually set out to do it solo as well. Like you, 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 you didn't set out to do a race, right? right. Um, when you, that's when you correct. set out to do a race and it's going to be in person and it's going to be on the scene and, and you're looking forward to being around other people and on a course you've never run before and just all of that stuff. Right. And then, and then it's like, oh no, we're going to have a virtual instead. Um, I mean, that's back to the point. She's really taken this in stride and that's just, you know, showing that amazing uh, beauty that she has. So going back to that. Good to hear. Good to hear. And she's just upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the real reason. (laughs) I say it every week, whether I'm somewhere else on location or I'm here. So I don't think that's fair. True. True. Good point. Good point. Good point. Uh, it's good to hear what, what you and your family have been up to, Eric. Uh, Michelle, you have been up yes, to some George. exciting stuff vis-a-vis 
the website and merch and all sorts of awesome things related to most pleasant exhaustion. Give us an update. I had to fill my time while I wasn't running. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you, you have so, been running, so yeah, but keep I going. Did. I I somehow ran 40 miles last week trying to just run again after two weeks of very little running. Awesome. Um, very exciting. We got our Boko gear order in, so we got a uh, technical trucker hat, just a run hat for people, um, George, who don't <laughs> like trucker hats, uh, and a visor. So we're excited to get that. We've got our race kits finalized with backline running, and we're hoping for a February 5th release. So hopefully get that out, if not next week, um, within the next week or two. And then, yeah, we have Bright Hair working on a website and kind of a mailing list. So spent a lot of time, um, if you're in my contacts or if you text me about running your name and email <laughs> has likely made it to what will be an empty <laughs> mailing list if you don't so think ditto. you fit that category but want to be on our mailing list please let us know uh mm -hmm. and we will add you made mm -hmm. a landing page for that so we're going to put mm -hmm. that out on facebook this week if you want to mm -hmm. subscribe and then obviously um a website launch which will detail kind of podcast stuff and mpe coaching services so awesome yeah awesome. it's been fun to kind of work with stacy and I would say hash out or kind of finalize a small rebrand. We updated the logo. I'm not sure if you guys can tell, but first person to tell us what we did gets a free hat. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, we could do that. <laughs> I was going to say, that kind of sounds great. <laughs> so let us know. We'll see how closely people listen, right? Um, yeah. So it's been kind of fun. You know, I would say in building out High Echelon, I hated this part of it. Um, I had the name of a firm and kind of really struggled with all this type of stuff, but doing it a second time around because I did it once, I had a little bit more patience, although I feel like Stacy is just rolling her eyes right now. Um, yeah. So it's been fun to kind of build it out for most pleasant exhaustion stuff. So Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate all the work that you've done for sure. Um, uh, I have a list of action items that I'm going to be acting upon this afternoon, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, and similar to what, what Michelle said, if, if you've ever gotten an email from me, you are likely to be added to our email <laughs> list. And so something to look forward to. We will, of course, uh, make an official launch of that uh, soon, not yet, but 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 soon, and we will announce here on the podcast and via social media. Um, the one thing I have done is I started a TikTok for the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast and released our first TikTok video, which is, of course, uh, my reviewing the gem inside of the largest cruise ship ever to sail, the Icon of the Seas at mp underscore podcast underscore and underscore coaching but if you just search most pleasant exhaustion you'll be able to find us on there and by all means give us a like and a follow we'll appreciate that um, and that ship is all the rage i see the advertising i'm saying ship. i'm saying my goal is to put something on there at least once a week um it'll be related to what we talk about on the podcast or it'll be what we're seeing in the world of endurance sports or just all sorts of other cool stuff so check that out too uh thanks for the update michelle Let's do a couple of quick words. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the Olympic marathon trials coming up this weekend. And I know we want to talk about uh, an article we wrote on Strava. But first thing, uh, let's do a, a quick cheese check-in. How's it going there? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know, I appreciate you bringing that up for two reasons. One, cheese check-in's going well. I'm still, um, I'm cutting back. I think I'm still at the 25, maybe 50% on a daily basis is what I, right. I usually eat. Um, and the dogs continue to help me with that. Good, uh, good. I set their meals every once in a while. But um, in addition, I believe we're in the fifth week 
of 2024, just starting the fifth week of 2024. And I have right. four strength workouts in one Excellent. per week uh, leading up to today. So Excellent. Michelle, I have, I have learned from your greatness and I have um, been able to integrate that into my plan on a weekly basis so far. That is so awesome. I don't have four strength workouts this year. <laughs> um, part of what I was looking to get back to after Houston, which didn't happen, was a very um, precise strength routine. But I really have to kind of figure out what the next few weeks look like and see how much more I'm going to change things up or add things in. So kudos to you, Eric. I hope to follow in your footsteps this year uh just soon <laughs> enough not yet though <laughs> absolutely no, speaking of streaks so i have this friend who i used to uh, run with at nc state we worked together at nc state and we've been keeping in touch through text and and uh we watch each other's strava make a comment every once in a while i give them kudos you know unlike michelle and, <laughs> and i ran with him not this Sunday, but the previous Sunday, we actually got together for the first time. He, uh, his name is David Weatherington. He'll probably listen to this podcast. Um, but uh, David did this thing where, and he's doing it again. So it'd be a second year where he runs every day, oh. every day of the year. So he, he is going for seven, you know, 130, 31, actually 731 days of running. Cool. Uh, and, what he told me though was he said you know we have a we have a legend here in raleigh and i said no what are you talking about he said um there's a raleigh lady that has i think she's the second longest running streak in the country possibly the world um her this lady has been running 40 years straight she only started this when she was in her early 40s she is 82 now wow i do not I do not have a um I do not have a total miles on her. I need to figure that out. But her name is Barbara Lotta. And she says the way she started running was one day her two sons were sitting on the couch and she said, you know what? I think we should go for a run. And the two of them looked at her and said, No. <laughs> and, and not where i thought that story was gonna go <laughs> no no i did as i'm reading through it i was like are you kidding me and uh she just went out and ran and i, I love her her quote in the article this was in the uh, local uh, uh local uh, news station article here she said uh, god has blessed me with good health good legs and feet i would say <laughs> You know, I would say that it's better to get up and move, keep moving and exercise as that it's just you'll feel so much better after you run, you know? Yeah, I do know. And I just like that because it's true. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, kudos to Barbara Lotta um, for 40 years straight of running. That's incredible. I, what a cool goal, right? I mean, I, I I really think the goal of trying to run the number of miles that the year is, like 2024 in 2024, I think that's neat. But like trying to run every single day, just run some amount every single day, I think that's super cool. I have a friend, uh, Jessica, um, who has run every day, I want to say for seven years. Um, and And that's a pretty amazing thing. At this point, I mean, she's over 2,200 days of running in a row that every single day for the last seven years, she's gotten out and done something. Um, that's amazing. 
kudos to Barbara um, and actual kudos, not Strava kudos um, uh, for sure. Um, I think that's super cool um, and I'm excited about it. Um, let's circle back while we're just talking about sort of quick news hits here to one thing that we've talked a little bit about on this podcast before, and that's uh, UTMB. Of course, we reviewed the book last year about UTMB, um, and and you and I both, Michelle, thought that it was very balanced in the sense that it, it praised UTMB and talked about the great things they do, but it also talked about some of their growing pains and some of the criticisms that they faced over the course of the past few years. Um, well, recently... Um, uh, a couple of very well-established ultra runners, uh, Zach Miller and Killian Dornett, actually sent a letter to the top 15 ranked men and the top 15 ranked women um, in the ultra running community and said, hey, do y'all want to get together and compete against one another at some other race besides UTMB here in 2024? We have some concerns with, with how they've been doing things, and I think maybe it would send a strong signal to them that they need to be paying more attention to our voices. Um, and, and as probably could have been predicted, um, one of the people that they sent it to, um, sent it to another person and then that other person posted on social media. And so it kind of became public and, uh, and, and got a lot of attention. Michelle, what'd you think? Yeah, I think, you know, the minute you hit send on an email like that and you put it out into the ether, I think you have a pretty good idea that it's only a matter of minutes, maybe hours at the most. (laughs) perhaps a day, although I don't think it took a day for it to be, you know, released. So I think the, um, it was never intended to be just like a hush hush email between Killian and Zach and these 30 athletes. I do think it just kind of sets this precedent of what are the best, you know, ultra trail runners in the world going to do? Where are they going to be able to find each other and really race each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to what level are people so disenchanted with the path that UTMB is taking, um, that they're no longer going to set their sights on this like grand finale, you know, running world series, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. So, um, from Killian and Zach, the letters email is not surprising at all. I actually think that at this point, most people have their schedules kind of locked in and, mm-hmm. and it already seemed like people were kind of dispersing here and there. Um, just some of the, some of the greats are, you know, like they've won UTMB and they want to try something else. And then that leaves UTMB still out there for the people that haven't won. Um, so I think we were going to see a little bit more of more than just UTMB this year. Uh, you know, the response from UTMB regarding the conversation. So UTMB followed up, they had a conversation with Killian and Zach and, I felt like the response and and with the pro trail runners association. So it was sort of like a three part, a four party conversation, Killian and Zach and UTMB and PTRA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was kind of pathetic. (laughs) It was like a response with a non-response. It was very bland. Yeah. yeah, Just trying to like save face or basically it felt like they were just trying to make sure everybody was aware that they like know about the email, right? It was a little bit, um, so I don't know. I think over time that's just gonna play out one way or another, mm-hmm. but it's impossible to predict. Um, you know, people have sponsor obligations at a race like UTMB, right? People have yeah. incentives in their contract on the line for certain UTMB races and finishing at certain places there. Um, if nobody cares about whether they go to Western States or Hard Rock or, you know, another race at some other, place in the entire world and they only care about UTMB, then these athletes for their livelihood, you know, to maintain their professional trail running 
status, income, ability, like they're going to have to find themselves, you know, back in Chamonix in the summer. So yeah. I don't know. I think we'll just have to see how it all rounds out. This yeah. year, I don't think is um, like this might be a strong year where people like kind of protest. So I think we're going to have to wait and see a year or two kind of what happens. Um, I think so, too. I think so, too. I mean, we we don't know what the response of the other 30 people who received the email is just yet. Right. Sure. Um, and, and to me, that's that that ultimately is is the critical piece. Um, and, and we're not going to know that we're probably not going to know that period. Um, the only way we're going to be able to kind of deduce that is by looking at who signs up for UTMB and who signs up for other things. Um, and, and like you said, some schedules might already be set, um, but one way or another, time will only tell on that. Um, so yeah, I mostly want to bring it up just because we've talked about UTMB on here and we've talked about the controversy surrounding UTMB on here. Um, and, and so we maybe like UTMB statement, we wanted to say that we're aware hey, that we that's know a about thing. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're over here for all your uh, so, so ultra trail we're, running we're, drama. We're following it, um, <laughs> but but we don't have a whole lot to add as of right now um, uh, or with what's going on with that. So so um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, let's talk real quick about um, Strava's article that came out towards the end of last year that that Eric, I've been wanting to talk about with you. Um, and and it was an article written by a guy from Strava named Greg Heil, but he had a conversation with a well-known cycling coach named Jim Vandenberg. Um, and Vandenberg is coach Taco Vanderhorn, who has undoubtedly the best first name in the entire pro peloton. Um, uh, Pascal Eichenhorn, uh, Dylan Gronewegen, and Thomas Decker, among others. Um, and they said, what are the big things that you think that amateur cyclists could learn from uh, looking at pro cyclists, um, if uh, what do the, we tend to misunderstand about the way that pro cyclists train, um, and that maybe we could adapt some of our own training to what they do? Um, and and I liked the four things that he came up with here, and I wanted to kind of get your opinion on them. We'll go through them one by one here, but I'll, I'll say generally I liked them because they're all things that you can kind of do, um, at least in some measure. Um, and so 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 yeah, let's talk about them real quick. Um, the first I think you one, awesome like them because you do these because <laughs> I agree with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Uh, that's a fair point. Yeah. I, if, I, if, I, there I, was a, if, if number five was eat tacos every day, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. like full meat and tacos every day. I'm not sure that you would. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. If, if number five was, uh, was, was, uh, quit eating fruits and vegetables, I would be like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about him not on the podcast. Uh, no, but fair point. Yeah. And, and so, so I'm definitely bringing my own uh, biases and my own uh, thoughts to, to what he had to say. Um, but the first thing he said was to, to increase your volume, to get more volume. Quote, the key to becoming a better cyclist is to ride your bike more. If that sounds too simple or too basic to you, then you might be overcomplicating your training. And what do you think about that, Eric? I think there's two parts to that. First off, on the surface, totally agree. And that's, you could say, to become a better runner is to run more you know, mm -hmm. volume is volume. I think it's, it's incumbent upon a coach and a runner to figure out what kind of running is volume running or mm -hmm. riding is volume riding. And then I think also to take into account, you know, um, as we age, the, the, the mix of volume, um, needs to change. And, you know, you and I do a whole lot more cycling right. than right. we did as, as kids, but that really is to get volume in yeah. a lot yeah. of the times. Now you can also do workouts and get that too, but I find that 
I can get a lot more volume in cycling because of the, you know, the, it's, it's less impactful on my, uh, you know, physically impactful on my right, um, on Same. my body. Same, same for sure. No, and, you know, it's funny. And he, he says that might sound too simple to you, but research study after research study after research study has shown that the one thing that you can reliably point to that higher performers do more than lower performers is get more volume. Um, it's like it's like the one thing over and over and over again that you can say if you're going to perform higher, they get more volume, right? Um, and and by all means, like I'm not trying to say that 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 you need to quit your day job and just run all the time. Um, you know, one person's uh, uh, the volume that one person can logistically sustain over time um, is different from what another person can certainly. Um, but, but one of the best ways to go about simply improving your, your running or your cycling, if, uh, if you are looking for ways to improve is just try and find ways to squeeze in 15 more minutes per run or an hour extra per week or something else like that. Michelle, what were you going to say? Well, first I'm a little offended because I know the article is cycling based. Um, and I'm not a cyclist like you guys, but I do think it's important to note that I think the article actually applies to most endurance sports. I think so. Like the science behind the key takeaways, and I know we're going to focus on four of them, and we just spoke about one. It doesn't only apply to cycling, right? I oh, mean, you would look at the not. same thing for getting somebody from, you know, a half marathon to a marathon distance mm -hmm. or a marathon to an ultra distance, right? Just mm -hmm. get in those easy miles, keep them easy, keep it boring, like keep it simple. Mm -hmm. So I thought the article was good because yeah. even though it's a cycling ish article, I felt like it really applied just to kind of the basics of endurance running also. Agreed. Um, 100%. And probably swimming and, you know, add, add whatever sport you want to where people are mm -hmm. going the distance. Mm -hmm. um, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. 100% for sure. Absolutely. Um, swimming is a little bit different because, because everything is so form heavy. And so if you just add on a whole bunch of volume, but your form suffers, then that actually can be counterproductive. But still, if you if you build up over time to where you can put in more volume with good form in swimming, that's a positive and 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 upbringing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess I would when I talk about swimming, I'm thinking of like Katie Ledecky's transition from like mm -hmm. the 800 to the 1500, yeah. right? She didn't like it was volume; it was just mm -hmm. getting in the laps. Um, mm -hmm. so it might not apply to somebody mm -hmm. like me who can barely swim a lap at LA Fitness. <laughs> um, but I think. For the endurance greats of the sports, um, it, it it would apply it to is you. Volume. It's, it, 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 it would apply to you, but in building volume, you would just have to ensure that you're also maintaining good form. Um, I've never even had good form to start with, <laughs> but yeah, sure. <laughs> I hear, I yeah. hear, and I understand. <laughs> you know this. This reminds me. Last year, we discussed uh, Killian Jornet's uh training mm -hmm. manifesto uh, manifesto, manifesto. <laughs> and and and, the, and uh niles vanderpoles as well mm -hmm. yeah one of the vanders mm -hmm. and he those were applied to ultra running and speed skating mm -hmm. but they also uh well at least vanderpoel he brought in uh cycling a lot of cycling and, and yeah. running i think there was a running he, he, he did he did a he did a hundred mile ultra marathon for fun basically but 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 yeah he he but but volume Same. yeah he he was doing close to 40 hours a week most of that volume being on the bike in only right. five days a week um uh yeah volume for for five and 10k races for speed skating right. races that 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 would last you know less than 10 minutes 
Yeah, no, he was he was clearly a volume monster um, and still is and still is uh, for sure. Second thing, um, focus on frequency. I thought this one was interesting and perhaps a little bit um, uh, more up for debate. Um, he said the amateur can learn from the pro cyclists because they exhaust themselves on this Sunday or Saturday ride of four or five hours and then they take two or three days off the bike. The recovery process just takes way too long and the intensity of the other rides they do that week are really hampered because they did too much on a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, and so in other words, he's saying that that cyclists will only ride two or three days a week, but then they'll do this massive ride on a, on the weekend and, and you'd be better off getting the same number of hours, but spreading it out over the course of the week um, rather than doing one big massive ride. Of course, the, the running parallel would be you know, if you're running 40 miles a week, don't make 20 of it in a single run. Um, Eric, what do you think? So I sort of have two thoughts on this. When Grace and I are training for, you know, fifties, hundreds in, I should say Grace, Melissa and I, I believe that the long run, you know, piling some miles into the weekend is important. And I would say if, if you struggle getting in the miles during the week, don't take what you missed and pile it in the weekend. But that long run on the weekend or that back-to-back, -back, you know, two long days is very important from a mental and physical standpoint, mm -hmm. as opposed to spreading it out all across the week. Does that make sense? I'm it does. Yeah. I mean, essentially what you're saying is that, that, that this advice, and like I said, this is a less straightforward or, or, or a less inarguable point, um, that this advice probably applies if you're looking to do races that are under an hour. Whereas if you're actually exactly. training for an ultra race, <laughs> then 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 maybe going out and running really, really far or riding really, really far on the weekend um, is a, an important race specific activity. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so I agree with you on that as well. Um, that being said, um, I do think. That, that there is something to be gained from frequency that's different from what is gained. I mean, as you're saying, it's different from what you gain from, from doing just one big one. Um, and if you're training for shorter races, marathon and below, um, uh, do you have to go out and do these mega long runs every single weekend that wipe you out for most of the rest of the week and, and prevent you from being able to do any other training? Definitely not. Um, I don't think that's a good use of time. Um, and so it is, it is funny, like both of these th two first two things kind of remind me that I've had several people that have hired me as a coach over the course of the past several years that, that they, I start working with them and, and I just kind of give them training that for lack of a better way of saying it, it's kind of boring. And, and when it comes to the weekend runs are probably a little bit less ambitious than what they thought I was going to give to them. Um, mm -hmm. and, and almost invariably they'll come back to me after like three months and they'll be like, I thought we were going to be. I'm like, well, this is how it works. Like, you know, it's, it's what, it's what, it's what Quentin Cassidy and Bruce Denton and once a runner called the trial of miles. Right. I mean, this is in some ways it's, it's, there, there are some complicated aspects to it, but, but at its core, it's not super complicated. You have to spend 80% of your time running easily and just putting in time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the other piece of this though, is, you know, it talks about the recovery process just takes way too long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, if you are going to pile miles into the weekend because you're an ultra runner, you have to have that Monday, Tuesday, rest day, easy day before you get back into it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, it's, it is it is interesting. So I have uh, an athlete that I'm now coaching for four-person race across America. 
Um, and, and I'm just about to start working with an athlete that's doing the Moab 240. Um, and, and I'm excited about both of those. Um, but, but it's funny because in training, and Eric, you know this very well, um, in training ultra athletes, I don't have them going out and putting in hours upon hours upon hours upon hours every single weekend. They, they will kind of train mostly like a marathoner, um, like the runners will. And then the cyclists will get in more volume because you can, because it doesn't beat you up as much, but, but still they're not going out and riding their bike all day, every day on the weekends. Like we kind of train them for, for shorter things. And then about once a month, they'll have something massive <laughs> about once a month, they'll go out and do something really big and we'll kind of rest for it and then recover from it. And, and, and that's how we kind of work with it. I have an athlete right now that's getting ready for a 50 mile race at Mount Mitchell, um, which promises to be extremely difficult in about two months. Um, and, and for the most part, he's not going out and running four or five hours every single weekend. Um, he's running two to two and a half hours most weekends. And then he's, doing a couple of big days where he goes out and he's out for five hours or more. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think that's a smarter way to go about it. Yeah. Well, just before you move on, I, I think one thing that's really important about both of these is to understand that volume builds, you know, internal mechanisms, but it also builds your body's just ability to deal with the harder, faster training mm -hmm. because your tendons, your muscles, your ligaments, everything is getting, stronger through that volume running so that you can take the intense events. So I think number one and number two are pointing at that. They don't actually say that, but they're pointing at that a little bit. Yeah. And it's also worth mentioning too, just sort of in the context of what you just said, I agree with you. I think it's also worth mentioning in this context that, that if you graph out the benefits that you get from a long run um, over time. So if you graph out the endurance benefits the endurance benefits obviously kind of gradually rise over time, right? You get a incrementally better workout from an hour run than you do from a 50 minute run when it comes to endurance, right? Um, and so those kind of continue to incrementally rise as the minutes go on, as the time goes on. It goes up very sharply between 60 minutes and 90 minutes, and then it kind of flattens back out and it still goes up. So you're still going to get more from a two and a half hour run endurance wise than you are from a two hour run, more from a three hour run than you are from a two and a half hour run endurance wise. However, your risk of injury skyrockets at about the two hour mark and it keeps on going up. And so it's important to kind of keep that in mind, too, that, that if you're trying to balance the, the, the endurance benefit you get with the risk of injury that you're taking, you're taking a bigger risk anytime that you go past two hours for a smaller incremental increase in endurance. Um, if you're training for an eight hour race, then yeah, okay, you're, you're gonna need to take that risk, um, but you shouldn't be taking it all the time. You shouldn't be taking it every single weekend, um, in my opinion, that's very much the way I approach coaching. All right, training needs to be sustainable over time is number three. I think a lot of amateur cyclists need to ask themselves the question, hey, is this something that really fits in my routine and my schedule and is intrinsic motivation there? Intrinsic motivation is not there 100% of the time for amateur cyclists and definitely also not for pros. But if it's never there, then you can be pretty sure that you won't sustain it for the period that's necessary to really get the benefits from anything you do. Um, so so something sustainable over time. Thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I love that if it's never there, if, you, if, if you're never intrinsically motivated to do something, you know, obviously he's setting, you know, the ends of the barbell on this. I think you need to be excited and willing, 
you know, 75% or more of the time to get out the door and go for a run. Mm -hmm. If you start feeling, if you get into like 60, 40 or 50, 50, then something's wrong outside influences or your training itself or, you know, something else that you need to do an adjustment. So yeah, it's, it's the workout concept that we talked about where when we, when we started talking about, you know, over a year ago, we said, you know, Hey, we want to work out every week. It's find something that you can uh, do every week. However small that may be, that may be five minutes like George, when he does his five minute workouts, or it may be 45 <laughs> minutes. That's a pre-run dude. <laughs> yeah, I've been go out and run for is, an hour. Lately I've been doing that and running for an hour and then doing an hour of strength work. So, so don't uh, come at you. me with this five hours, this five minute you. stuff. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah, but I, what I'm saying is if 15 minutes a week is all you can do in strength, do 15 minutes a week. If that, yeah. if you're intrinsically motivated to do that. Um, if you're trying to do an hour every week and you're just, you just don't want to do it, adjust, mm-hmm. make it sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, it's funny whenever I start working with a new athlete, one of the first things I do is to try and uh, come up with a routine that works like a groove that we can get into and mostly stay there. Um, and, and that's, that always creates a bit of a transition. Um, and, and then I always have to kind of check in after a few weeks and be like, okay, this is the groove we've gotten into. Is this groove still sustainable? Is it still work? Are you still motivated to do it? And I've had athletes that like, we find that groove and we literally stay in it for months, months. Um, and then other athletes are like, okay, the groove is starting to get stale. Um, like it still works logistically, but let's figure out something else that works logistically just because doing the same thing every single day is getting stale. I get that. I understand that. Right. But no, I think something working logistically for you is critical. Um, if it doesn't work logistically, it's just, no, it's just not going to work. That's actually, by the way, the biggest challenge. I think I've said this before on the podcast. The biggest challenge I faced when I went from coaching high school athletes to coaching adults, high school athletes literally have the time in their day carved out for it. It's like practice starts at 3.30. Good. You'll be there. Right. I mean, it's there. Um, the time is set aside in their day to make it happen. Um, whereas adults don't have that. Um, Michelle does. She sets so. <laughs> aside that time from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. She, Michelle, Michelle does it because she knows that's how she, she will, that's the only way she'll be able to get it done, which I think is wise, right? Um, Michelle schedules in running time, which I think is smart. Um, I have found that when I don't do that, I'm less likely to get it done because something comes along, right? Yeah. I actually saw people running yesterday evening and was thinking they've spent the whole day like having to remember and hold on to the fact that they have to go for their run tonight. Like I just want to wake up and kind of check it off the list. (laughs) I think that's the easiest way to, to just schedule it right in. Fair. (laughs) I had, I I had to get up at 5.00 AM on a Saturday this past weekend in order to get the two hours, two and a half hours worth of working out done that I needed to get done before going and judging at a tech competition. Let me tell you 5.00 AM alarm on a Saturday comes early but it is kind of nice to, be to done. run on the roads and not have no to work with traffic there. or anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's 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 kind of nice to be able to get that done before 7 a.m. on a Saturday. I, I would definitely have the streets to myself for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I have an athlete who, you know, to your point, Michelle, and this is just a funny aside. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he had a workout on a Sunday um, and he forgot that he had the workout. Um, and so he, he went out to lunch with his family and he had a margarita at lunch. 
Oh wow. And then two hours later he's he's on the belt line in Atlanta trying to like throw down five minutes at, at projected half marathon pace. Um <laughs> I imagine that didn't go that well. So uh it went better than you would think. <laughs> but, well, but 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 certainly, good, uh, but, but certainly not tolerance. quite as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> evidently. Um last thing, last thing, number four. Um, eat more on your rides. Um, it says eating way more doesn't only help you get through the quality of that ride higher, but it also helps you in recovering from workout way faster. A lot of amateur cyclists are not aware of it. They stop eating in the last hour because they think, yeah, I'm almost there. I can finish this workout with what I currently have in the system. And then they get home and they eat all kinds of rubbish and they forget that eating in the last hour is primary for the recovery afterwards. Um, what do you think about that, Eric? So I, I think this is actually a topic that we disagree on and mm. we, the three of us, um, have talked about this in the past, either on the podcast or maybe in our text thread about taking gels on runs and sort of the timing of that. And I tried to present it to you too, as you know, something where you can help, um, set yourself up for success the next day. And the comment I got back from both of you is that's way too many calories. It was, yeah. like, you didn't even read. It was like, you didn't even read what I sent you. Uh, and so I, I just felt like the whole thing was you know, crapped on. So I just said, okay, I'm not going to have this conversation with them anymore. Okay. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't either. I'm team, <laughs> like I'll, if I have an hour, 40 minute run and I've got work in the second half of the run, I'll take a second gel. Like I'm, mm. I'm here to take the last gel, even if the workout's ending in 20 or 25 minutes, because I know it's going to keep me in a way less depleted state, especially when I finish the run. And Michelle, you have said before, and I want to say you've actually even said this fairly recently, that you will fuel in the in the back half of the run because you want to make sure that your day is better afterwards. Yep. Like you've yeah. talked about that before. Like we were just joking that you do your your running between 3.30 a.m. and 6 a.m. You then have a whole work day as, as a mom and as a business owner, like after that. And and if you don't fuel in the tail end of the, you're actually not fueling for the next run. You're fueling for the remainder of the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm fueling not to feel like I have to spend the rest of the day, you know, recovering and on the couch and just so mm. depleted um, that I got too far behind with like not consuming enough calories. Um, mm. Mm -hmm. I do think generally speaking that people really, they will just kind of top off and they'll, oh, I only have an hour. Right. Yeah. And then they'll just kind of wait and then they'll kind of eat a meal. Um, but I love the emphasis and the article on your fueling for your recovery mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. really the en enhancing way that you can recover if you don't finish a workout totally, you know, in a caloric deficit, so to speak. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll say on that on that note, I'll say this, like I, I, I don't love drinking water on a run. Like I just don't love doing it or even on a bike ride. I just I'm just not great at it. I don't love doing it. and I'm a super heavy sweater. And so. I, I have finished many a bike ride and many a run in, in a more dehydrated state than I should have because I didn't drink enough over the course of the last 30 to 40 minutes of the bike ride or the run. Um, and, and I cannot tell you how many days, even in the last six months, how many days I've gotten up for a bike ride or, or gone out and, and just was still dehydrated from the day before. Um, and so I'm here to tell you that this is one of those places where it breaks down between George, the athlete and George, the coach. I, I very much agree that. That, that, that taking the, taking the gel and drinking the water over the course of the last 40 minutes, 30 minutes of the run puts you in a better place for the run that you have the next day. But I struggle with it personally, just cause I don't like doing it. And it's never at the front of my mind. I remember what it was. It was a, it was a 
podcast I listen to by two podcasters who are so annoying, I cannot say what their podcast is called or mentioning one of the names. <laughs> you, refu you refuse is, to give them any sort of is, plug. Yeah. Is one a guy that. and one a girl and they're married yes. to each other? Yeah, and they might be coaches who coach some really good. With like a little baby runners. or yeah, like so, a dog. But it was, yeah. it was called Fueling While Training. And I listened to it while I remember this, cleaning the backyard up. And it was, you know, it was 60 to 90 minute eating, uh, easy run, you know, halfway through, mm. take a gel. And then it was, you know, if you're in that, that zone two, zone three uh, run, then take one every 45 or 45 and 75 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you're doing a workout, you know, immediately after the workout portion, right, you know, take mm -hmm. a gel. Mm -hmm. um, and on the long runs, every 20 to 30 minutes, starting at 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I took that schedule and I sent it to you guys. And the response was, that seems like a lot. <laughs> it does seem like a lot. Um, I, I think that that eating more, taking in more calories is kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, in style right now. Like everywhere you look, people are talking about eating more, eating more, eating more while you're actually doing the exercise. Um, and and where there's some recent research and a lot of anecdotal stuff that that suggests that people can take in more calories while training than and even while racing than we thought they could in the past um i kind of feel like you're seeing that in a lot of different places um and so i think that 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 the thing that you sent to us was kind of in my mind at least it felt like it was uncritically advocating that fashionable approach do you know what i'm saying like you need to eat more you need to drink more and just do it and so so it kind of felt that way now, I will say, even though I tend to find that particular podcast a little bit annoying as well, I, I do think that they are wise coaches. Um, and so so it would be out of character for them to actually advise something because it was fashionable rather than because it was scientifically backed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it's I, I think that that's probably the reason why I I cast it off, buddy. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, but, um, but, but I think that's kind of part of it that I, it just felt to me like, oh, here's yet another article or yet another coach saying you just need to eat more while you're running and while you're riding. Um, and perhaps you can make that same argument about Vandenberg as well. You know, having this be the fourth thing. So final thoughts here on these four things before we talk about the Olympic trials. They apply to everybody and not just cyclists <laughs> to every endurance athlete. So how many, how many, uh, how many cycling text threads are you on now, Michelle? Um, I know you're on at oh least one gosh. that is called cycling fans, no less. You're even in the profile picture for the text thread. Yeah. And then we have like a triathlon one, which I think because of the cycling fans one, we get to stick to running and triathlon and the other one. So I'm so yeah. thankful for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so you're, you're becoming I know a it's cycling like fan. All so, you cycling fans struggling to figure out how you're going to stream all your races this year. I'm not uh, struggling it's about, about how I'm going to do it. I'm just struggling with the uh, with the fact that I'm going to have to pay so much for it. But that's okay. You I'm are going to have. I'm to totally going to. I'm, I'm totally going to do it though. So for sure. You and every sure. other cycling fan. Yeah, that's yep, why they I'm, did it. I'm going to be doing the ten dollar add on for the Bleacher Report add on to my HBO Max, so I can watch all the races that used to be on GCN for sure. For sure. Um. All right, let's talk quickly about the Olympic trials here. Um, they are this weekend. 
Um, so the Olympic marathon trials uh, here in the United States are this weekend. Um, and we've talked about them before. There was some controversy related to where they were going to be located and then the start times and all sorts of other things like that. Um, they're Saturday, February 3rd in Orlando, Florida. The men are starting at 10.10 a.m. The women are starting at 10.20 a.m. Um, and of course, as we said before, that was a compromise because initially they were going to be starting uh, just after noon in the Florida February. They're doing a 2.2-mile loop around downtown, and then they have an 8-mile loop they're going to get out on and do that three more times. Um, it's going to be perfectly flat, for sure. Um, there's some slight inclines, but certainly nothing to write home about. Um, and then what's the weather look like, Michelle? That was always the big X factor with a, with a Florida Olympic trials. Yeah, I think it's still going to be an X factor. The 10-day forecast had it looking pretty warm, mid-50s to mid-70s. Um, the six-day out forecast has it kind of mid 40s to about 70 as a high. So you would imagine they're probably starting in the low 50s and it'll get up into the low 60s as they run the race. Um, it does look like a relatively cool week for Orlando. Most mm -hmm. mornings are in the 40s, um, which is probably quasi normal for February, but also just generally cool for the mid Florida area. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, hopefully the people that got down there early to do their humidity acclimation. They've been there more than just seven to 10 days out because it's been a little bit cool the last few days and it will be this week. So I think the weather is going to be a factor. Obviously the cooler it is, the less it becomes a factor, but you know, on that day, it's everybody dealing with the same exact conditions. So yeah. We'll and it's not going to be as much of a factor. It has been say in 2016, right? And 2016 right. is when, was when you went to LA and you were actually there yeah. for that one. Right. Um, and yeah, it was a hot was... day as it turned out. Yeah, it was blistering hot in LA. And and I would say that, um, you know, Orlando does have, um, if that were the case, I do believe that the stipulation for Orlando would call for a different time, even an earlier start time, perhaps a different location, a different race day, that was never really disclosed what would happen if it was, you know, looking like it was 80s and complete suffering, so to speak. Um, and I would say that these local organizing committees have likely learned from the mistakes of Los Angeles in 2016. Yeah. So I would hope that even in the event that the trials were run and it was, you know, 80 something degrees, uh, it would be much more advantageous to the runners in terms of precautions on the course versus what they experienced eight years ago. So for sure, for sure. Um, as we discussed already at length a few months ago, the main reason why the start time was originally going to be midday uh, was because NBC wanted to broadcast it at midday, uh, wanted to broadcast it at noon. And NBC is still going to be having a, a broadcast at noon, um, but it is going to be tape delayed. Um, if you have Peacock, the app, uh, the NBC app Peacock, it's going to be starting live on Peacock at 10 o'clock, which is the way that I'm going to watch it. Um, and and uh, I will say, if you're going to watch it on NBC, where it's two hours delayed, you're going to want to stay off of social media. <laughs> just turn off your phone. <laughs> Yeah, just just turn it all off. Yeah, entirely, and 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 watch it as if it's unfolding live, uh, and as if it's 1984. Uh, Definitely sure. block me if I'm you know, somebody <laughs> you communicate with on the regular. <laughs> no, for sure, kidding. for sure. Um, all right, let's talk real quickly about the qualification process. Um, and and we have referred to this a few times, but they have this really difficult and and in my opinion overly complicated process uh, by which countries can name teams to the Olympic marathon or for the Olympic marathon here. Um, and I should side note it by saying, I think the whole thing's bogus because as I've said before, I think that, that 
the Olympics are supposed to be about a celebration of various countries coming together. And so countries should be able to send two or three representatives, whoever they want to send, regardless of how fast they run. Um, and and I like being able to see in that first mile a lead pack that has a runner from Peru and a runner from Iran and a runner from Kenya and a runner from uh, uh, Mozambique and a runner from Malaysia and a runner from the United States, like all together. I think that's cool. And I think that's one of the great things about the Olympics. But the Olympic Committee does not agree with me on that. And so over the course of the last several years, they've said, OK, we need to limit the number of runners in the Olympic marathon to 80, which is a fairly small number of runners, um, uh, three max per country and a total of 80. Um, and that anybody who toes the line needs to have run the standard of 211.30 for the men, which is just over five minute pace, um, or 229.30 for women. Um, they have also said that spots for each country have to be unlocked between November 6, 2022 and April 30th, 2024. And so we've talked a little bit about this, that that you have to have people in your country that run fast enough or place in the top five at a world athletics platinum level race or have a ranking in the world athletics ranking system that's high enough that that it will unlock a spot for your country. Um, and so in the United States, the standard for men or the standard for men worldwide to unlock a spot is 208.10. For women, it's 226.50. In the United States, we haven't placed any men in the top five at any world athletics platinum level races and we've only had two men run under 20810 um both of them were in chicago we've only had seven men ever in american history run under 20810 and so so far the men uh from the united states have only unlocked two spots if you will uh the women have unlocked three spots they've had 13 women who have run under 22650 um, but but only because of Clayton Young and Connor Mance at, at Chicago have we had any men run under 208.10. And so therefore, right now, we only have two spots for the men. Now, yeah. Michelle, you're dying to talk about this. Go ahead. Well, I think just in terms of the qualifying process and the spots that are unlocked, it's really important to keep it in mind when watching. I think we're going to see really different race tactics play out. I think yeah. the men are going to be much more aggressive. Um, off the line. So that third place runner is looking to run 208.10 or under. Um, we do not want a situation where third place probably has to wait until May uh, to find out if there's a spot on the starting line for, for him in Paris this summer. So And there, and, and there probably wouldn't be. There um, probably would not be. Based yeah. on the recent marathons um, and the recent times that are just kind of killing the descending order list of the fastest times. Yeah. So yeah, I think the women is going to be kind of just more of a like a huddle, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to kind of have to wait and see who just kind of takes it out and, and when the racing begins. Yeah. Um, those yeah. women just, you know, for the most part, I mean, it, it, if the top three, you know, haven't run uh, like the fast enough time to 2930, then we have a little bit of an issue, but it's so unlikely. You know, we have so many people that have both met the American and the Olympic standard that I really think we're just looking at a top three straightforward finish for the women's race. Um, unless, so. unless you have somebody who qualified and has never run a marathon before, they qualified through the half marathon standard, like say Jenny Simpson, right? That's true. Um, and so, because USATF has also said that, that they won't let anybody run a qualifying marathon between now and the Olympics. 
Um, and so if Jenny Simpson, for example, if she finishes third, second, first, whatever, um, and, and doesn't run under the Olympic women's standard of 229.30, then, then she won't be named to the Olympic team, um, which is contrary to the way our trials have always worked. Um, now, in order to finish third in the women's marathon, just given the depth of American marathoning right now, you, you almost certainly will have to run under 229.30. I, I do think on the topic of Jenny Simpson, it brings up a really good point. You know, she's a hometown favorite. I think we haven't seen her race much since the pandemic. She obviously is the most decorated medical middle distance runner the United States has ever had, but she's making this transition to the marathon and nobody really knows kind of what is going to happen in the marathon for her. But at the same time, when Jenny Simpson says she's ready to toe the line and compete, it's like, well, if she gets a top three, you know, yeah. That's yeah. just a whole other uh, sticky situation. I wouldn't bet against her for sure. For sure. Um, so let's talk about contenders then. Um, well, let's talk about the women's contenders first, because that'll give everybody kind of time to digest the whole men's situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the women's situation is kind of messed up too, um, because it's the whole process is stupid. But but let's talk about the women's contender. So we mentioned Jenny Simpson, as you said, she's the most decorated middle distance runner um, in American history, a brilliant runner um, from Florida, went to university of Colorado um, and, and I, has won yeah. pretty much anything you can possibly win. Um, I think she's in it until, you know, I, I think she's in it, but I don't know that she has the last 10 K in her, but yeah. of course we'll see, you know, yeah. this is like, this is why we have a trials. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. For I don't sure. even have her in my top eight, but well, so who wrong. is in your I'd, top lo eight? I'd love to be wrong. Um, so I'm doing an Instagram live tonight, like a fantasy. This isn't coming out today, is it? Because I can't tell it people is. my top eight. Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I can't really divulge them because all these people that I'm on Instagram <laughs> live with tonight, they'll know my top eight. All right. I will I, I, will, I will put it out. I, I will put it out when you tell me I can put it out. How about that? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'll say like I've had a really hard time because for every reason I think it's so obvious that somebody is going to be on the podium. I can find as many reasons why Saturday just might be a bust for them. Okay. But I do have um, Emily, Sis Emily Sisson, Betsy Sena, and Molly Seidel as the top three. Okay. Um, you know, I would say Emily dropped out of the last trial. So that's mm -hmm. like a little bit, you know, it could be that she just has an off day and um, she had an off day in Chicago, but she was still the top American. I think Betsy is, you know, the most untalked about person in my mind that's like just for sure making the team um and which is, which is funny that she's okay let's just talk about the two you've talked about so far yeah sure. emily, emily system feels like the easy one to choose like even though i know like, right like, yeah. but, but i mean she's the american record holder right um and i'm right. not i'm not busting on your choices but i'm saying that's a good that's a good safe bet right yeah um, and i would like to see it i think she deserves to go um betsy sana though that's a, that's a more interesting choice talk to us about how why you chose her because she is kind of under the radar yeah. I mean, Betsy has uh, one of the fastest American marathon times. You know, we didn't see her this fall. She was supposed to go to Chicago. And there was a recent article that came out um, where basically her agent assured her that she had a spot on the starting line at Chicago. And only once the field was announced, did she realize she was left off. So right. she's stayed back in Africa, done most of her training there. Um, but she is an American citizen now. Uh, she's previously competed in the Olympics, you know, under another flag. But I do, I just, we cannot write her off. I think she is one of the strongest women in this field, honestly. 
So, right. um, and good. I think she's ready for whatever the weather is in Orlando, just, you know, months of heat training in Africa. For sure. And then, and then you said but, Molly Seidel was your third, which I find is yeah, an interesting choice I, as well. I mean, she, she, yeah. she, on some level, some people might say, oh, well, she's also a safe bet, like Emily Sisson. But I, no, I wouldn't say that based on the last three years she's had. She's not a safe bet. Yeah. So I don't think she's a safe bet. I think um, just her recent tra trajectory with her performance in Chicago, I also think she's going through kind of a really tough time um, personally. And I think sometimes when Molly's kind of, hate to say, like in the depths of her own despair, is when she just performs the best. Hmm. My my biggest concern for Molly is the flat fast course. Okay. Um, I've run the eight mile loop. This is going to be a fast race. Molly is really good on, um, you know, before her race in Chicago, I would have said she's better on a strategic course and not a flat fast course. But because of how she ran, you know, at the last trials and how she ran in Chicago and then how she just ran in Chicago, I just, I just don't think we can write her off. And I think she's just out to prove uh, that she belonged on the Tokyo team and she still belongs, you know, on this team. Okay. But, you know, right after her, like these are, these women I think could also all be on the podium. Podium. I've got Kira D'Amato, I've got Gabby, I've got, you know, Lindsay Flanagan is a good one. I, I think she's been working with a new coach in Australia. Hmm. She's been over there. I could totally see her as a top three. And then I like have a personal, you know, place in my heart for both Sarah Hall and Sarah Vaughn, mm -hmm. uh, just these moms that go out there and just kind of grind it out and, and put their head down and get the work done. Um, this is Sarah Hall's eighth Olympic trials. And yeah. I think as much as you can, you know, dislike the way that she's, I don't know, or she has previously been a serial racer and her husband's Ryan Hall and there's all this history behind her, like eight Olympic trials and she's yeah. still grinding and she's still hunting for that Olympic birth. So yeah. I think, and she's you know, never been on an Olympic team, right? Never been on an Olympic team. That's, that's yeah. a little bit mind blowing given, like, yeah, yeah. given, given the, the degree of achievement that she's had, um, the high performance she's had and, and the, the place that she occupies in, in the mind of American distance running fans, the fact that yeah. she's never been on an Olympic team is kind of shocking. Yeah. yeah, I mean, now that I look at these eight names, I just think like any one of these. I was going to um, say throw throw a blanket over them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of yeah. them would be. You know, I I think we we want the ones who have international experience, who have proven themselves. Again, Paris is not a flat, fast course. It no. is going to be warm. Mm -hmm. Um. So you know, I'd like to see some of these kind of more seasoned marathoners make up the podium. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sure there's a bunch of dark horses that you know we haven't really. Mm -hmm. spoken about or focused on but that's like the whole excitement behind the trials yeah. right anything can happen on the day so for sure for sure yeah. no absolutely i think it is interesting um i would probably replace on your podium i would probably replace betsy Sena with kira damato um but you know more you know far more about it than, than i do obviously and and you're making a more educated guess whereas i'm very much just making it based on the fact that kira damato has run brilliantly and and has experience at this level and that sort of thing um but but yeah we'll see um kira damato is the one that i think is a notable omission from your podium <laughs> yeah so it's it, it's actually i probably this is what I'm saying is I keep, I yeah. would redo the podium. If you give me another six hours, here yeah. um, <laughs> posted a picture on Instagram. So I don't feel like you post this unless you are 
in the best shape of your life and you've had the most mm -hmm. perfect build. But she posted a picture with her hands on her hips at a previous starting line. And mm -hmm. she said with something like the subtext was like smiling, period, because I'm ready for next Saturday. It's like, mm -hmm. holy cow, you do not post that unless you're like guns blazing, ready to go. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and, or, or yeah. if you're really trying to get into the mind of your competitors, which which that's a good way to legit do it. Too. She's in my yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for so sure. I don't know. I think the podium probably comes from those eight. I'm probably wrong about the order, but we'll see. Who knows? All right. We'll see you so. indeed. Um, I uh, talking about the, the the podium and the contenders on the men's side here. Um, uh, a few kind of interesting names, and then a few names that that you would expect, and then maybe a few dark horses as well. Um, and so I'm going to do it the way that you did it, and I'm going to say who who's on my podium. Um, I'm going to put Connor Mance on the podium. Um, I think that he is is the person who um, uh, has unlocked one of the spots. He has consistently run well. He has said that he's super fit. I saw a quotation from an interview with him this week where he said, "I wish I could run on the track because I I feel like I would PR in every distance from the 1500 up right now, <laughs> which I think yeah. is cool." Um, so he's clearly fit. He's clearly feeling good, um, even though he might be kind of trying to get into everybody's head. Um, and, and I think, uh, he, he certainly deserves consideration. It's probably the favorite, um, Clayton Young, his training partner also ran 207 in Chicago. Um, I would say Clayton Young is going to be fourth at the lowest. Um, I feel like he's going to be kind of in there. Um, I think he's going to just sort of shadow his training partner, Connor Mance and Connor Mance is going to be at the front and, and that's, what's going to happen. I mean, he only finished 10 seconds behind him in Chicago, right? Um, and so I, I think that, that that he's a great runner. Um, I think you have other names like like CJ Albertson, who is going to do something entertaining. Um, <laughs> he'll he'll be he'll be out there um, and doing something fun. Um, I think you have uh, people like Sam Chalango, who ran 208 in Chicago. Um, Toshomi McConan, who ran 210 in Berlin. Zach Panning, who ran 211 and was our top finisher at 13th in the World Championships last year. Um, you have. Uh, Bias Mbasa, who ran 210 in Prague. Um, but I, and you have, you have even Scott Fobble, who we've talked about before on this podcast, but he actually doesn't have a qualifying time. <laughs> um, I, I think those are all the contenders. But when I think about the rest of the podium, um, I think you're talking about uh, Paul Chalimo, um, who's running his debut marathon. Um, and, and he has uh, been on Olympic teams before. Um, and he is a silver medalist in the 5,000 meters at the Olympic games. Um, I think that, that, that he is running his first marathon. He qualified with half marathon. I think he's going to be strong and I think he's going to be in the mix in the last 10 K. Um, and I think that if you get to a mile to go with him, he's probably going to beat you. Um, and then I, I, I might want to write off Galen Rupp and I just can't. You can't, you cannot can. write him off. Um, he, he's looking for his fifth Olympic team. Um, he was so masterful in 2020. Um, watching that when it was in Atlanta and watching the way he controlled the race. And then when he decided to run away, he just ran away. Um, it was, it was amazing. And so I, I'm not going to put him off the podium either. And so, so I'm cheating a little bit that I say my top four are Connor Mance, Clayton Young, um, uh, Paul Chalimo and Galen Rupp. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. I think any of those other names I mentioned could, could definitely do something. And I, like I said, I think CJ Albertson will have some camera time. <laughs> yeah for sure whether um, whether that means that he's going to go off the front between 5k and 30k or something like that which is probably my guess um yeah, yeah i mean it's he, he 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 will be he will be somewhere to be seen 
So we'll see. I'm more interested than anything to see how this race unfolds, um, totally. given yeah. given the qualifying situation. Eric, what do you um, think? Well, I, I just had a question. Like, I'm not going to guess who's going to be on the team or anything like that. But I had a question about the comparative uh, temperature between Atlanta and Orlando, temperature and humidity. There's no comparison. It was cold in Atlanta. We were outside in layers, and it was chilly, and it was crazy windy. Mm -hmm. um, the, so I the, don't think... The, the wind and the hills were the things that made Atlanta hard. Yeah. Uh, I, it, was okay. a, it was a hillier course and it was windy that day. Um, I, I remember it being a difficult course, like not yeah. a typical course. So, and, and that did mix some things up, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It, 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 like it, it did, except that on, on the men's side, the people that qualified were kind of the favorites. Yeah. Like, like Galen Rupp, Jonathan Rupp. I mean, th those are the people you expected to, right? Uh, and the dark horses like Jim Walmsley and and the guys from Atlanta Track Club, they they performed about like you thought that they would. Um, but but then ultimately the it mixed things more up. I thought on the women's side than it on the men's side. Yeah. So, go ahead. so my question for Orlando is: Is this really a dark horse race? Mm. Because it's not what the runners are used to. I don't think for the men, it's, there's the, as much chance of a dark horse. I honestly think the biggest dark horse for the men, and he really shouldn't be, is Zach Panning. Hmm. Um, I'm like team Zach. I would love to see hmm. this. Uh, he trains with Hanson's, you know, he did hmm. great in the heat at Worlds. I would love to see him on the team. Um, but I, I do think, you know, George has got Connor and then Clayton. I mean, I've got Clayton beating Connor, but I do think it's hmm. just these people, right? I think it's, you're looking at Clayton, you're looking at Connor, you're looking at Scott Bobble, Zach Panning. Paul Chalimo is exciting since a debut. Galen Rupp, you can't write him off. CJ Albertson, he's going to be up front at some point. It's just like, mm -hmm. how long can he last? Right. I don't think there's a dark horse for the men. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but, Why and is I, Eric I, laughing I, at I, me? And I, well, I, I, I'm laughing. laughing at, like, he's laughing at your comment about CJ Albertson. CJ Albertson, because I oh. remember. I that's like that's like the one like, certainty. Is he <laughs> yeah, is he laughing because I'm excited that. about this? This is so, like so, my... no, he's laughing that the, the one thing that we all agree on is that CJ Albertson is oh. something weird. Yeah, <laughs> gonna get a lot that's of camera true. time. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh gosh. Um, but I, I I think I agree with you, Michelle. Um, uh, but I think that that Eric is right that that I'm not sure that this is a dark horse course, right? Um, I right. think that, that Atlanta was more of a dark horse course, even though it sure. didn't play out that way on the men's side. Um, uh, but, but, but yeah, this, this doesn't to me feel like as much of a dark horse course. Yeah. Um, I do. Zach Panning's a good dark horse, by the way. I agree with you on that. And I think if this was a dark horse course, I, I would put him on my podium um, because he is somebody who can suffer and, and perform in rough conditions. Yeah. Um, all right. Final words, y'all. I'm excited to watch it. Michelle, are you going to come over to my house and watch it with me the way that we did the New York City Marathon in the fall? I wish. Uh, I made the difficult decision to cancel my plans in Orlando. Just my kids have a bunch of stuff this weekend. So mm. um, I'm not going to be able to come over to your house unless you oh. watch a replay. <laughs> but by then, we'll probably have exhausted communication about it. So <laughs> I do, um, you know, I was fortunate to get to kind of run the, run the course. And mm -hmm. I think there's nobody that, you know, would deny that the best, <laughs> the best spectator view, right, is like watching it all play out on the screen. So yeah. uh, I'm yeah. sad to miss all the hype. And this is definitely like my dream weekend as a, a fan of the sport. Mm -hmm. But no, I'll, I'll be watching it through a screen just like you guys. So. All right. All right. Eric, mm -hmm. I'm presuming you're not going to drive down from Raleigh and watch it with me, but you're invited. 
No chance. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate being here. All right, bud. All right. Uh, Michelle, thanks for being here. Thanks for all the work you do. Yeah. All right. Have a good afternoon, guys. Eric, thanks for being here, bud. Always fun. Thanks, George. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Don't forget to check out our new website that we're building in early 2024, mostpleasantexhaustion.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast or on Instagram at mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends and don't forget to give us a rating. We also offer coaching services through MPE Coaching. You can reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com, at mpecoach at gmail.com, or just click on the coaching link on the podcast website. Again, that's www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com, at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. Check out High Echelon PC at highechelonCPA.com. Big thanks to our sponsor, Elemental Altitude. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. And finally, thanks to our newest sponsor, Bright Hair. You can find them at brighthair.com or on Instagram at bright period hair. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Eric Hall, thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.